Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Gallant View Rangers podcast. My name is Carl McDuff and I'm delighted to be your host this evening as I bring you a very special episode um, for, he's becoming a bit a regular now, but once again yeah. introducing David Heard. How are you, David? I'm absolutely fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think I'm, I'm angling for a job with you guys the, the number of time I'm on with you, but yeah, it's good to be here, good to be here. I know, so for anybody that doesn't know, he's a lifelong Rangers fan, uh, um, well-established Rangers author now, and of course an all-round good guy. Um, but oh, all-round. But um, here <laughs> to talk through his newest book, um, Rangers. So, so it's uh, the 1977-1978 season. Um, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do that just <laughs> now, just because, so, because I know your copy's not arrived, so you've no, you've not a chance to, to actually read it yet. But yeah, story nineteen seventy-seven, seventy-eight um, is my my third book. So, just on that, David, when we first um, when we first spoke about your first book, which was uh, um, the 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 stories uh, Rangers the Rangers players of yesteryear, eighteen seventy-two. Yeah, you say this was just yeah. a wee bit of a hobby. You were writing a wee for a bit. Um, we follow follow. It's it's past that stage now, isn't it? Oh, I know, I know. Well, to be honest, I retired to work and. I said I was I always said before I left my work I would write a book and it was 1872 was the book I was always intending to write. Um but I just get I've kind of got the bug and and when I was doing the first one, folk kept saying to me, What are you going to write about next? And I had these two things in my head. A League Cup book because of the number of memories that I had in the League Cups. So that that came out in what October thing. Um and then I always said I wanted to write a book about my favourite season when I was a boy. Because I feel as if maybe I've written the story of that season before. Uh, so many memories of it. So that's what that's what 77, 78 is. It's the story of my favourite boyhood season following the Rangers. Aye, and that's um, 
that's where it's probably a wee bit different for your your previous two books. Obviously, there's you've wrote, you know, just for speaking to you know your your Rangers knowledge is second to none uh, for for the most part. But this has probably been a wee bit of a different researching story. How much did you actually have to go back and look back up as most of it for memory? Well, no. You've, so the way, the, way I've, the way I've written it is there's a, there's a report of every, every game they played that season in it. And I'd love to tell you that I could remember details of every single game 45 years ago, but um, I'd, I'd probably not quite be truthful about that. I can remember a lot of the bigger games and I can remember a lot of goals and incidents, but um, if you if you if you well to ask me what what was the third goal like the day they won four one at Motherwell then I'd be struggling a little bit but uh, so I had to I had to look up old match reports and programs and things like that to refresh my memory but, uh, but a lot of it's been written because I remember that anyway and a lot of it's been written as a once I've researched it a little bit way mainly old newspaper articles and and things like the Plain for Rangers books that used to come out back then. So you mentioned this is your your favourite ever season and um, uh, a nice wee plug uh, for the best eleven show that you have done with Mason <laughs> as well. That's, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of heroes for this season featured in there. So just remind the listeners what what is it about this season in particular, Davy, that you love so much? Uh, there's, there's a, oh God, there's probably a few there's probably a few things to say. Well, I'll, I'll start with probably uh, it doesn't annoy me. That's that's the wrong word, but um, I probably think the the late seventies, mid to late seventies team isn't as revered and remembered as as a team that won two trebles in three seasons should be. Um, whenever you talk about the seventies, it tends to be the Barcelona nineteen seventy two that tends to most get talked about. Then the next sort of big thing that gets talked about is Sunis coming, and then Walter Smith nine in a row. And there seems to be this there was this little period in the seventies. I, I think that. Um, we had a cracking team. We had a great manager. Um, we played some incredibly exciting games, uh, won lots of trophies, and I, I just feel as if it's maybe a little bit forgotten is not the right word, but maybe just it doesn't go up in lights the way the way some other Rangers teams in history got in lights. But the early sixties team, for example, everybody still talks about them. Um, but they only won one treble. This team won two. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so there's that. There's there's that bit of it. And then personally, uh, it was probably the first season that I went to most away games. It was it was the first season I went to a few games without my dad. <laughs> I was I was old enough to actually get, get let out and actually go to the football with my pals and go on the bus rather than if my dad couldn't go. So it was it was starting this is starting me growing up. I was in third year at school when the, when that season started. I'm 60 this year, unbelievable. But anyway, so it's that kind of memory. And then there was the team itself, the, the team itself, which I'll probably go on to talk about. Um, had this great blend of um, a kind of spine that had been there for a while, I experienced really good players. And we brought these three youngsters in, uh, all of whom made the team so much more exciting and so much better to watch. Uh, Bobby Russell, Gordon Smith, David Cooper. Um, and it was the only season, for example, that Cooper and John Gregg played in the same team. So that it was a kind of unique, it was a unique season. Uh, it's a real like kind of passing ship, say, to two Rangers icons. Cause, Absolutely. Uh, um, you know, going back at this season, um, before the night, 
I was actually, I didn't realise David Cooper was there so early at Rangers. Um, and I actually thought he only ever was at Rangers when John Gregg was the manager. So it did surprise me, but that's one of his breakthrough seasons. Um, he, um, the, the season before, 76, 77, the one that was between the two trebles. Mm-hmm. We, we actually had a really poor season that, that year. Um, Celtic won the League and Cup. Aberdeen beat us 5-1 in the League Cup semi-final. We didn't win anything. Um, and one of the main memories I've got of 76-77, apart from we were really inconsistent, was we played these series of League Cup ties against Clyde Bank. Um, David Cooper was this young winger at Clyde Bank that none of us had seen before, and he absolutely terrorised. I think it took four games before we beat them. We kept drawing. Um, back in the days of replays. And everybody was leaving the game saying, that young winger, we need to sign him, he's brilliant. <laughs> and the, the, the next summer, the next summer we did. You know, the good old days when somebody has a decent game against strangers and we just go <laughs> and sign them. That's uh, the glory days right there. But no, just on a point you made there about how much this season means to you, that that 13, 14 year old stage, the, the day say, and I think we mm-hmm. probably all feel like that regardless when you've grown up, but 13, 14, it's the music that you start listening to, sticks with you from there. Aye. That's when your real adolescent memories come through, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, but, yeah, that's but, that's, when, that's when I became a punk as well. <laughs> Late 70s, man, good good era for music as well. Oh, the Clash, the Jam, don't get me started. Sex Pistols, oh, good God. That's, that's, another, that's another pod in itself. <laughs> but um, you, you talk about some of, some of the icons that were in this season. Who, you know, not oh. repeat the, the Rangers <laughs> are living, but who, yeah. who really stands out for you in this season? So, as, as I said, there was, this, there was this kind of spine of the team that had been there for a while. Um, all international class players, all winners, guys that that uh, I don't know how many appearances they would have if you added it all together, but it, it was into the thousands, I would imagine. Um, so Sandy Jardin at fullback was just a, a Rolls Royce Royce player, but John Gregg at left back, the captain, the leader, he would. There's so much about him this in this particular season in this book. It was his last season as a player. It was his testimony. Your first Rangers player to get testimony was his Davy Meikle join. I mean, you're talking. That's how much he was. He was adored by the Rangers club in public. That, that they brought testimonials back for him, um, and he he wrote his name all over the season. Actually, um, Tom Forsyth and Colin Jackson, the centre defence. Scott, both two Scotland internationals. Uh, my wee favourite midfield player of all time, Alan McDonald. Uh, Alec McDonald wrote the foreword for this book, and um, folk think maybe I'm saying all these wonderful things about him because, because his name's in the front of it. But I genuinely think he was the best all-around midfield player that I've ever seen at Rangers. I've um, I've heard you speak about Alec McDonald before, and when I seen he wrote the foreword, I was like, "That's that is going to be like that must be a buzz for you." That's like oh. somebody like me, but me writing a book in Barry Fair, just coming in. And I mean, you know, I, I, I went to um, to Kirk and Tillich. The Rangers Supporters Club, where we we all did he drinks, and um, I met him there. And see, meeting your heroes, you always you know you always hear about. Ah, it's never very good to meet your heroes. They're, they're never they're never what you what you think when you actually meet them. What a, what a lovely man he is. What a great guy. <laughs> he, and he, he he could talk about Rangers all day. It's, it's just 
he's my type of guy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, he told so there's a few stories of his in the in the forward for the book, obviously. Um, and probably the the one other or the two other players I would mention is uh, apart from the three new guys, Tom McLean out in the wing, who was without doubt the best crosser above all I've seen in my life. Um, the number, the number of assists that he's got in this book. I mean, you've got to go through the goals and all the different games. The number of them is Tom McLean plays the cross, or Tom McLean through plays the through ball. Um, and in my boyhood hero, Derek Johnson up front. Um, scorer of 41 goals that season, yet he didn't get played for Scotland at the World Cup. Still still can't believe it. That's an absolute farce. That, um, and this is DJ probably what heading into his prime is that fair to say or was the best oh, I, would, I, would, I would no I would say that was that was his best ever season. Uh, Aye. in fact um he was never the same after 77 78 I think I don't think he was the same player when he didn't have Jock Wallace as his manager. Um I, I don't know if it's just off the field or whatever but um I don't think it's just him to be managed by an ex teammate. I don't think John Gregg got the best of him. So that that was one thing I was going to ask about this season. Um, compare, you, you mentioned about the season before, uh, no, two seasons before, 75, 76, we, we won the treble yeah. as well. But this really stands out for you this season. What mm. What is the difference? I, is it on your goal, sorry? Oh, it was, I just thought we played much better football. We were a, we were a better team to watch. Um, funny enough, the manager, the manager gets this... Um, Reputation of uh, making folk run up and doing sand dunes and shouting like a sergeant major and stuff like that. And he, and he, don't get me wrong, he did all that stuff. But um, if you look at that team for that season, uh, we actually played four two three one before it was before it was now regarded as the way most football teams play. Um, it wasn't called that back then. But if you looked at the way he set it up, he had a back four. He had. Alan McDonald and Bobby Russell in the centre of midfield. He had Gordon Smith playing as a just off the striker, two wingers, staying out wide. Derek Johnson up front. It was it was a four two three one. Before it was trendy. Before it well, well you, you didn't really talk about formations back in nineteen seventy seven, but um, that's what it was. It, everybody just assumed Gordon Smith played up front. It was two strikers. It was four four two. It wasn't it actually. Gordon Smith scored twenty seven goals for an attacking midfield position. And that that did interest me when like, reading your uh, your your interview in the in the Herald about it about the the, the style of football that we played and obviously we're talking mm-hmm. about Derek Johnson coming in at his prime signing David Cooper Gordon Smith as well you still got the stalwarts like Forsyth and Jardin and um, Greg who yeah. I, I think we they have probably my generation have this idea of these guys as you know big solid defenders no mm-hmm. nonsense but they. They could kick a ball about as well. Um, so Absolutely. they may maybe give this this period in Rangers history a bit of the service in terms of how the football team they were. Folk, folk of my age, I'm just, I'll, I'll say something that, that um, folk of my age will probably remember. It, it always hacked me off and it hacked other Rangers supporters off. Back in the 70s, um, the papers were full of how Celtic were the football team and Rangers were just a big physical team that ran over the top of them. Tommy McLean, Sandy Jarden, Bobby Russell, David Cooper. Big physical team, you must be joking. Yeah, they could take care of themselves. Don't get absolutely don't get me wrong. And they were as the fittest team you could ever see in your life. But they played some smashing football. Um the, the one the one player 
I think it made a huge difference was the arrival of Bobby Russell, actually. Bobby Russell came to junior football. He was uh, about 21-year-old, I think, when he, when he came in at the first team. That was his first season at Rangers. Straight for Shettles and Juniors. I mean, probably nobody could believe that. They go from Shettles and Juniors to a treble winning Rangers team in one season. But um, he was a, he was a lovely football player. And he he made the midfield tick in that season. He was he was such a clever football player. Um, in fact, for the first two or three years that he was in the first team, he, I think most people in the terraces and the stands thought he was a, a better footballer than David Cooper was. There you go. And again, it's just, it's, it's fascinating hearing, like, hearing different perspectives in this because it's, you know, memories, they get distorted way as time goes on. And it's, mm. you know, David Cooper is absolutely, and as far as for what I can, for what I hear and read, rightly so, regarded as a, a Rangers great, but it, Bobby Russell doesn't quite get the same. No, no. I, I, I think it took Cooper longer to hit the ground as a Rangers player. Russell just kept, he set the ground, he set the head on fire straight away. He was he was terrific for like, almost his first game up at Aberdeen. Cooper was a bit more inconsistent, uh, but, he, but he was an absolute bloody genius when he, when he, when he, when he was on his game, my God. I, was, I, I know I didn't see Baxter, but if, he, if Baxter had a left foot with David Cooper, he must have been some bloody player because Cooper was absolutely outrageous with that. What he could do with a football, but as I say, he was he was he was a wee bit more um, he was a bit quieter than than the other two new players that first season, but he got better and better as, as his career went on. Um, but um, it was a season that uh, although we, we won the treble, so you think like, we we just steamrolled our way to glory and won all these games. It was such a season of ups and downs. It started really badly. It had this horrible wobble near the end when it looked as if we were going to throw it away. And then it just came good at the end. Um, it's, it's, I, I don't know how, how well people remember, actually, about how close we came to disaster two or three times or not. So that leads me on to the, you know, the next point, I suppose. What's, uh, for you, what... What's the most iconic or most memorable or the pivotal games or moments in, in this season? Right. Uh, oh, um, start with the league because I, we'll start, we'll start with the league. games a day. What I ask you about? We'll, uh, we'll start with the league. So, um, well, we lost the first two games for a start. Uh, we lost up at Petrodre and we lost at home to Hibs. And that was after a season we won nothing. And it was after a pre season that. You won't remember we used to hold this thing called the Tenant Caledonian Cup when we got absolutely wild by West Brom in the final. Um the, the natives were very restless. In fact, there was all kinds of chance of what all the rubbish and walls must go and stuff like that. Um at the Hibs game when we lost the second game of the season. After two games, no points, bottom of the league. Um and probably the first pivotal game was in early September, the first the first old firm game. Um Celtic came to Ibrox. I think we only had two points and they only had one point after three games. Unbelievably, they were both in the bottom three, I think, getting into the game. And um, Celtic were two up at half-time. Rangers played Derek Johnson at centre-half that day. Derek Parlin played up front. And Parlin took a a knock to his face right at the start in in the first two minutes. And he, he didn't he didn't look right the whole first half. And 
Celtic scored to a big Ed Wilson, big Icelandic player, he scored twice. And team got booed off. And this would have been my third defeat already in the league. This, the, things were looking pretty bad at half time. And at half time, um, Parlin had to go off. And he put Derek Johnson up front. And John Gregg, who had been suspended at the start of the season, he was only a substitute. They put him on and played him at the back. And the team just clicked in the second half. Um, Gordon Smith scored, Derek Johnson scored, then Gordon Smith scored the game, he beat them 3 2. Um, so from 2 0 down at half time, he beat them 3 2. And I think that was an absolutely massive game that season. A massive game. Not only beating Celtic after being 2 0 down, but that was the day I think the Gordon Smith, Derek Johnson axis going forward really, really set itself up for the rest of the season. Uh, so th- there was that game. That game was absolutely humongous, I would say, in terms of the in terms of the season. We then went in this great run. Uh, I think we went about six points in front. Two two points for a win back then. Remember, so um, we were well in front. Uh, Aberdeen beat us four nothing at Petardry. We sort of stabilised again, and probably the next pivotal game was at Motherwell. Um, it was in February. We went to Motherwell. We were two nothing down after about twenty five minutes, and there was a pitch invasion, and the game got stopped. Bottles flying everywhere, and police dragging folk out the ground and all that kind of stuff. And that's a nineteen. You're nineteen seventies football, basically. People hate Rangers fans uh, react badly <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I was at that game, and um, I'm pretty sure. It was all sparked off by one of the Motherwell players giving the Rangers support the V sign when they scored when they scored their second goal. And the Rangers support of the nineteen seventies didn't take that sort of stuff off anybody. They just <laughs> they just decided it was time to fling the wine bottles. Um so they invaded the park, the game held up, teams back into the dressing room, came back about ten minutes later, and Rangers then ran riot. They scored five goals in the next twenty five minutes. Um one five three. Um so it's one of these things, if there hadn't been the pitch invasion, who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Um, another thing about that game was um, the Scottish League tried to get the game replayed as a disciplinary punishment for Rangers. Uh, so getting into the running at the end of the season, they were still going through this appeals process with the SFA in the league about whether this game was going to get replayed or not. And, the, and by that time, Aberdeen had caught us. And if the two points had been taken back off us again, we'd have, we'd have been under real pressure. Uh, and I talk, talk about Jock Wallace, how much I loved him as a manager. The great Willie Waddle was um, the sort of vice chairman, at the time, managing director of Rangers at the time. And there was no way he was going to accept that punishment. He just went to, he went to war with the, the Scottish football authorities and won. It got reversed and made it, it turned into a fine. Um, so it's another one of these ones, what would have happened if they'd made them replay the game? Who knows? Um, and probably, the, for me, the, the, the last pivotal moment of the season, the league season, was uh, after we had this wobble, Aberdeen caught us. Um, we played two games in the space of three or four days. We played a cup semi-final against the United at Hamden on the Wednesday. Then we went to Ayr. They were a Premier League team at the time, um, on the Saturday. And in both games, we were struggling. And in both games, John Gregg scored 
sole goals to drag us to victory. Uh, 35-year-old captain still had it. Um, and after that, and his testimonial game, we 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 we, we get back in back in the rails again, and we won we won the last the last three games and won the championship. So it, it was it was all kinds of ups and downs associated with with the league. There was a brilliant middle in it. We played some fantastic football in the sort of September to December time. Um, a game we beat Aberdeen three one at Ibrox. A game we won four one at, at Motherwell. We were four up at half time. We played absolutely brilliant football in that first half. And then there was this huge wobble. Um, Aberdeen beat us 3 0 at Ibrox. We dropped points to Ayr. We dropped points to St. Mern. We got beat at Parkhead. We dropped points at Easter Road. And six points, suddenly we were a point behind. <laughs> and it was, it was squeaky bum time, I think, as it's, it's now called. It's, it's a different kind of special leagues like that. And, and again, probably harking back to you know what, what made this special. What some people prefer, like if I compare it to recent times, some people do prefer a title run like 55 where you are Aye. miles ahead of your nearest competitor. Aye. But for me, one of the most special ones is 2003 when you win it by a goal. When, <laughs> how many times yeah. did Rangers almost throw, out, throw away the lead um, in that run in as well? But it's just, I don't know, it's just add. When a team has Aye, to show that character to come yeah. back, is something extra special about yeah, it for me. These, these close ones are only good if you eventually win it, of course. The easy ones are far, are far better than the blood pressure and everything. But, um, mm-hmm. but yes, you're right. I mean, hell, things like Helicopter Sunday. I mean, I, I was at Easter Road that day, and that's that's probably still my favourite last day of the season, just simply because of how it worked out. So, in the league, Rangers finally win. Um, they, they won the Premier Premier League uh, by two points. Um, so just yeah, a single it, was, game. It, was, it was just a point going into the last game. Um, wow. uh, Aberdeen went to Easter Road. Aberdeen hadn't hadn't lost a game since about the December. They were on a sort of twenty odd game unbeaten run. They had they had beaten us four nothing and three nothing in the last two games. Uh, Petrodri and Ibrox. They were they were the form team. We were wobbling, and uh, but we had that one point lead. Um, and we played Motherwell the last day and we scored twice in the first 15 minutes which made it a lot easier for the rest of the day So any cup competition so that's this is one that you're very well versed in um, obviously writing a book on Rangers oh, beat Kings of the League Cup um, yep. you spoke about a couple of players a couple of new additions um, <laughs> and in the League Cup final against Celtic two of them really came into the, came into the limelight for this didn't they? Absolutely absolutely I think um if I talk about sliding doors moments again, there was there was one in the semi-final. Um, probably not as well remembered for that season, although it is for those that were there that night, was we very nearly get knocked out in the semi-final before for um, who were our second division team, I think, at the time. Wow. Um, their, their player manager was a chap called Archie Knox. You might, you might have heard of him. He'd done quite well eventually. Um, he, he, he was he played that night and he was also their manager. Um, they were they were two one up with seven or eight minutes to go at Hamden, um, and we were absolutely bricking it that night. Those of us that were on the terraces watching it, and we managed Derek Parlin, who came on as a substitute, scored with about seven minutes to go, and we, we scored three in extra time, ran over the top of them in extra time, one five two. Make history books say five two. You think that was an easy enough semi final? Believe me, it certainly wasn't. And as you say, we then played in the final against Celtic. Um, thing to remember about Celtic that season, 
they had the worst season, I think, I can probably remember. <laughs> they came fifth in the league that year. They did. It was. Jo- it was. It turned out it was Jock Steen's last last season in charge of Celtic. Um, I mentioned earlier they only had one point in the old firm game. They they lost a ridiculous number of games early on. They were out the league race really early. Um, Kilmarnock, who were a first division team, knocked them out of the Scottish Cup. But they got to League Cup finals. That was their only chance. That was their only chance at trophy. Um, the thing to remember the the build up to that cup final was one of the Rangers' first team squad died two days before it. Uh, Bobby McKean, little winger, who maybe played about ten or eleven games that season. He was kind of he was a regular the seasons before, but Cooper's arrival kind of knocked him down the pecking order a little bit. So he was a kind of third choice winger. He did play some games. He played in that three two game actually. Um, he was quite young as well. Twenty five. Twenty five. Tragic. Oh, it was, it was horrible. Um, so like, we found out on the Thursday he had died, and I, I, I would imagine if that cup final was played now in the in the current atmosphere, the way things are done in society these days, I very much doubt that cup final would have went ahead. Because it, it, it was an actual Rangers first team player. <laughs> it wasn't. Aye. It wasn't. It wasn't an ex player. It wasn't somebody that now played for another team that used to play for them. It actually was a Rangers first team squad player. I think he, he'd just been in the bench a couple of weeks before it. Um, so he died on the Thursday. Um, there was a minute silence at the start of the game, which wasn't observed too well by the Celtic end, which I think gave the the match a bit of a horrible atmosphere in the first section of it. Anyway, as you say, um, the new players, two of the new players, went and announced themselves that day, really, because um, Cooper scored his, his first cup final goal for us in his first cup final in the first half. Um, first of his four League Cup final goals um, and it looked as if one goal was going to be enough it wasn't. Even, it actually wasn't a great game in, in truth um, and then they equalised about five minutes to go Stuart Kennedy and goals get right under a cross and right over him and Edwilton headed it in yeah. and went to extra time and, and all in all the extra time didn't look as if it was going to have a goal and then I think it was about two minutes for the end of the extra time. Um, a cross got put in, Celtic's goalkeeper came out and tried to punch it and he made an arse of it and it fell straight to Gordon Smith who died and headed it into the empty net. Um, I always remember uh, all the headlines after it were Jock Steen saying the goalkeeper had been fouled and the referee was biased and how Rangers had the help of referees to win a trophy. You know, some things just don't change, really. Nobody touched the bloody goalkeeper, but that day... No doubt there's some Celtic websites probably still list it as one of these trophies that we stole off them. Um so yeah, that was the, the, the first leg of the the first leg of the treble. And then into the you know, the, the final leg then. Uh yeah. Sixth of May nineteen seventy eight, Aberdeen, and it's yeah. I think we always always think about Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen and he's in, you know, the European success. But am I right in saying even at this point in the early the, the late seventies, sorry, they they were they were a force and it's probably oh. f- f- fans of my generation that this is you know, this is probably the, the game of the season potentially if you're going into this. They were without doubt the two best teams in the country that season. Mm-hmm. By 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 quite a distance. By quite a distance. Uh, it, it was a bit more added. Spice because it was Billy McNeil that was their manager then. 
So he didn't like us and we didn't like him. So that 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 added just a little bit more as well. Um I would say the the cup run to the final. We played Berwick. Tenth it was the tenth anniversary as well of Berwick knocking us out the, the cup ten years before it. Um that got lots of headlines and stuff. Uh, but we we played really well against Kilmarnock in the quarterfinal, which should have been against Celtic. We, the, the draw was actually Avengers versus Celtic or Kilmarnock. And everybody thought, we, and it was going to be the week before the League Cup final, because we thought we were going to play Celtic three weeks in a row, because we were playing them the league the week after it. But Kilmarnock beat them in a replay, so uh, they didn't play in the Scottish Cup. So as you say, we, we beat Kilmarnock, we beat Dundee United in the semi-final, and John Gregg scored that goal, and um, we played Aberdeen in the final. And although, Aber- although Rangers were going for the treble, they'd just won the league, most people, most pundits had Aberdeen as the favourites that day. Because they had beaten us the last few times they played us. They hadn't lost since December. They had almost caught us in the league. Um, they were regarded as the kind of the team that had played the better. or the be- They were seen as the best team in Scotland in 1978, if you like, from January onwards. Um they 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 really fancied their chances, and I suppose it was just the very beginnings of that Aberdeen team. I mean, Willie well, Miller was the captain, so obviously he he survived it. Gordon Strachan, I think, came into their team during that season. The majority of them weren't there though. The likes of McLeish and Jim Waiting and that they, they they came just after that. Um, but the final itself, Rangers played really well. Um, definitely deserved to win. Um, Bobby Russell was the best player in the park. He, he won the man of the match in the semi-final and the final actually. I mean, they used to do these wee man of the match checks at the end of the, the end of the game, presented it in the, the touchline. He, he won it both times. Um, and what we hear, Alan McDonald scored the first goal with a diving header. You'd be amazed the number of diving headers that, that wee guy scored in, in his time at Rangers. He scored a League Cup final winner against Celtic with a diving header as well. Scored in the Cup final with Albert, against Albert Team. And uh, Big DJ scored a cracking header in the second half. A lot of folk remember the game for Peter McCloy swinging in the crossbar for Aberdeen's late consolation goal, but I tend to remember it more for the two-headed goals than I do for, for their goal. And the team were running about at the end of the game celebrating a treble. Um, we, all thought, we all thought it was the beginning, of, the beginning of more years of dominance. These three new young players, Jock Wallace, top manager in the country, we, we, we just thought we were set up for the next few years and lo and behold we didn't win the league again for nine years after that and that is part of the subtitle of the book Davey um, mm. the Indian era and yep. it, it really was in more ways than one and what noted <clears throat> noted delve too far away for you this season because that is what the book's about but what what came after what what, what was it was it just the end of Jock Wallace um, was it the oh. end of the you know, a Rangers icon and John Gregg, also he's still at the club, but he was no longer playing. What was just oh, I think, I one think of the things? Probably a multitude of things, I think. I think... Um... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Greg was Greg's just he still had another season as a player. Definitely. He definitely had another season as a player. Um he had a huge problem when he became manager. And I don't think he's he ever solved it. He certainly didn't solve it to start with, and that was who was going to lead the team on the park when he wasn't there. Uh, in, I, I don't know if, if you've read about it, but um at the end of that season. Derek Johnson, after scoring all the goals and winning Player of the Year and everything, he asked for a transfer. Mm-hmm. And the way it was eventually resolved between him and his new manager was DJ was made captain. And part of the deal about getting made captain was he would play more often at centre-half because he actually preferred playing at centre-half than he did playing at centre-forward. He was a bloody good centre-half. Um can you imagine a player saying to Joe Wallace, I don't fancy playing there. I think I'll play, uh, could you not play me somewhere else? Because I prefer it. Can you imagine that? Uh, make me captain, then I might stay. You know, can, I love I love Big DJ, but that that summer never sat right with me. That that anecdote will will never change over time. Where the, the name. The name in the back isn't as big as the, the badge in the front. It's, right. it, it never is. And for for most clubs, let alone our club size of Rangers, and even that's something that's not been diluted with time. We see it now uh-huh. with, with players that come through Ibrox um, time time again. And I do find that a strange one, but is that maybe it's just John Gregg? He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's cutting his teeth as a manager at a big, big club, as it's just yeah. maybe I get yeah. something on side. I, I don't know. I don't know if Johnson would have would have really left anyway. In, in all honesty, I, I, I actually don't know. At the time, the likes of Arsenal were meant to be after him. Um, Brian Clough was meant to be watching him in Nottingham Forest, who wanted to win the European Cup the next couple of years. But whether he would have actually left, I don't. I, I actually don't know. But um, it it disrupted the whole summer. I remember the the whole summer was all the papers were off. Oh, was Johnson going to go? Blah de blah de blah. And we started the next season. We hardly won a game for about the next, in the first ten games, and it ended up we only lost the league by a couple of points. And it was that start that done it. Um, I just, but it was it was more than it was more than an end of an year just because Jock Wallace left and John Gregg wasn't the manager anymore. Um, it was the end of an era as well because the stadium changed. Just something as fundamental as where you actually watch Rangers. Um, that's when they started pulling the old terraces down and started putting the stands up. So the 77, 78 was the last of the what I would still call the, the old Ibrox. The big cover te- the big terraces at each end. Um, it was a it was a different experience completely from what it was and, going forward. And and how different is that to what we see Ibrox now? 
is. Um, and, and I know that might sound like a silly question because it's hugely different, but to somebody like my age who you know, I've only ever known Ibrox is, you mm. know, the, the three tiers in the main stand and the, the rest of all two tiered and fully seating. What, like, how much of a different world is it in 1977? I, I just, I found it more, for want of a better word, comradely. You would, you would, you would go and you would, you'd find yourself somewhere to stand and then you'd, you'd go and see somebody, there's somebody I know and you would go and stand over beside them. <laughs> yeah, you could just move about, you could, be wherever you wanted to be. Um, if you didn't fancy the view for this end, this this bit of this, you, usually at half time you could wander about and find somewhere else to stand in the singer. Huh? Um, it was it was a it was a different world. It was a different world. Um, plus the fact um, they were still doing things like lifting kids or the turnstiles back then. They were still doing things like um, bringing half bottles in and tippling away during the match. Um, it was it was a, it was a it was a different experience completely. I mean, they talk about that, that um, John Gregg testimonial in, in the April that season. I remember we didn't go in that game in, the, in a bus. So we, we went, we left in a car. There was, there was five years went to it. And two, there was the two kids and three adults. And um, we, we just ended up standing out. We, we get pumped outside, outside pub, some pub in Paisley Road West. Till, till 15 minutes before the game started with a packet of Chris and a bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> but that, that's just the way, that's that's what it was. Aye. And then you then you go to the game. Um, it, it, it was just a different... So a lot of it was worse. Let's not pretend. It, it's no it's no about, all, about the old good old days. I mean, Ibrooks held 70,000, 80,000 and the, the average crowds for a game was probably about 20,000, 25,000. So there was, there was lots of empty spaces back then. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact... I think we were slightly unlucky in that we built our stadium early at a time that attendances were quite low in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So we decided to build a stadium that only held 40,000. And I think if we if we hadn't been early in that and we had decided later on to build a, an all-seater stadium after Sooners came, for example, and you saw the crowds were coming back to Scottish football when Sooners came, I think we'd have built a bigger Ibox, which would have been which should have been much better for us in the long run than, than what we've got now. Aye, and no to veer off too, like, too much off subject, but I'm just interested getting somebody for your perspective <clears throat> when you've lived and breathed the, the proper terraces. <laughs> Safe standing, would you ever want to see that back in the new? Like, yeah, but it's uh, the, the days are gone. To be honest, if people want it, why not? <laughs> I've, no, I've got no firm views one way or other because... I'll not go in it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be moving anytime soon anyway. I wouldn't think so. I'll not be going there. We're not going to be putting it in the main stand where I am. So I'm going to share about to take in a can of ten lager. <laughs> <laughs> so standing at the, the run of the mill old home games was just what you did. But looking back, I could probably have done me a seat <laughs> because it was, <laughs> yeah, you know what? In a, in a sort of mid-December game against Clyde Bank at Ibrox, that it's it's three nothing, and there's still half an hour to go, and they're just trying to damage limitation, and Rangers only trying that hard because the game's already won. I could probably damn me sitting down <laughs> because it wasn't that exciting. <laughs> but um, Stan is just what you did, and don't get me wrong when 
in the bigger games, like that season, the, the, the game we beat Aberdeen near the start of the season, we beat them 3-1, or the, the 3-2 game against Celtic especially, or the nerdy game against Celtic when um, John Gray scored that famous goal that Celtic thought they were getting a penalty at one end and they were surrounding the referee and he told he, he, he was moving play on, he wasn't pointing to the spot at all. And Rangers ended up with six men forward and Celtic had one man back and they, Greg were walked into the empty net. Um, the celebrations and goals like that when it was all standing was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you, 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 you were then 20 yards away from where you started, it was brilliant. But um, it's, just, it's just it's what it was. It's what it, it was just, that was the age that it, that it was. And uh, I'm glad I lived through it. I'm glad I lived through it. So the last question I've wrote for you, Davey, um, on, on this season then, if you were to pick one game as your absolute favourite for whatever reason, because you mentioned that that was this is a game you started going to away games as well and you were mm. started going in the bus. What was your favourite game for that season? Putting you in the spot here. No, you're not putting the spot at all because uh, I know the answer. I know. <laughs> well, it's easy. It'd be easy to say the three-two game against Celtic because that was that second half was the most enjoyable experience of the of of the whole season, I would say. But. But um, there was an early round. We drew. We actually we drew Aberdeen in the early rounds of the League Cup. Um, best two teams in the country played. I think it was the last sixteen, um, and we played them at Ibrox on a Wednesday night in September, October, early October. And to this day, I still think it's the best domestic performance I've ever seen for Rangers team. We were absolutely electric that night. Um, the first half especially, Aberdeen could not live with us. It was just one of the nights that everybody clicked at the one time. Tom McLean was threading through balls. Bobby Russell was dominating the midfield. Johnson and Smith were running right up front. Cooper in the wing. We just, we just we were just brilliant that night. Um, we were 4 nothing up at half-time and we won 6-1. Um, Gordon Smith got his hat-trick. Gordon Smith got his, I think his only Rangers hat-trick. Um, yeah, he certainly did. He scored a hat trick that night. Um, and they, had, I mentioned it earlier, they had beaten us five one the season before in the, in the semi final. And the the sixth goal that night became something very important. To See when it went five one, everybody was was desperate, absolutely desperate for a sixth goal again because it would have been one more than what they had scored against us the season before. Uh, we did get the, the sixth goal, and um, yeah, what a night! And it was one of the. There was a there was a TV strike that season. The, um, so sports scene in Scotsport didn't exist for about five or six weeks while this strike was on. And the 3-2 game never got televised. And that Aberdeen 6-1 game never got televised. And I think to this day now, there's there's tens of thousands of range supporters pretend they were at the games because they're so famous. and <laughs> They're like iconic because nobody's seen them. Just uh, checking the stats there. There was only 25,000 in that, that game, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday night. Um, they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. Um, in fact, Alan McDonald talks about it in the in the foreword of the book. He is saying it was the best Rangers performance he ever played in. And, and again, it's, when you look at how that season transpired, there was ups and downs, but for, you know, that, the, the League Cup is always significant. I think we've spoken about this before, about mm. you not know, even the final, but laying down a marker 
Um, and even in the early rounds, and this is back and before the days of uh, um, the seeding and unseeding that. So oh, to, against the, you know the the other the other top team in the country, weighing down a marker in in that manner as well, it really sets you up for the season, doesn't it? Oh, it, it, it just came at that time that the team had just started to click. She's after that three two game. After that three two game for the next two or three months, that team just clicked into gear. And they, were, they were scoring a lot of goals. I mean, they were scoring threes and fours and fives quite a lot. Um, and maybe that was one of the reasons why it's still one of my favourite seasons because I thought they played some phenomenal football. And at the same time as they were scoring these threes and fours and fives is when I was starting to go to more away games and get a, get more get allowed to go myself and things like that. Um, I mean, there was a game for, my dad didn't go, for example, we, we beat Air United 5-0 doing it here, and we were, Big Derek's hat-trick that day, we were absolutely brilliant in that game as well. The one the one other thing I would mention um, that was different back then was the pitches. I don't I don't know if if you've seen too many games through that season in the winter. Uh, I was like tea in the park, so it does. <laughs> well, another one of these kind of sliding door things is that... Um, Although I said that we won the League Cup in March, the League Cup final was actually meant to be in December, and it got frozen off. The, the tournament got frozen off before the semis. There was this two or three week period that hardly any games of football got played. And if it had got played in its original date, Tom Forsyth would have been suspended. He wouldn't have played in it. He wouldn't have played in the semi final or the final. And the way the way it worked out back then. You used to get suspensions and they were they were in days. So Tom Forsyth has been suspended for 21 days, for example. And it yeah. means that from that date there to that date there, he can't play. So what happened? There was a freeze and there was only about two games. <laughs> he, he hardly missed a game. Um, They're laughing. Yeah. Um, similar at the end of that season, um, Derek, Derek Pauline gets sent off by Bob Valentine, the referee, who was one of my... Uh, let's just say I didn't like him very much. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something I thought I'd better not. Um, he sent him off at Easter Road. Shocking decision. And um, he missed the cup final because it. He, the, the SFA had done their disciplinary hearing on the Monday. And um, they gave Parlane Lane seven days, which took it to the next Monday, which meant he missed the cup final. There you um, go. But they, he could have played the replay. If it went to replay, he could have played it. Oh, right. I'm, I'm trying to remember there was, I think it was Alan McDonald. Missing, a, missing that cup final for a sending half, man. That's killer. Ah, it wasn't even a sending half as well. And I remember also because Alan McDonald was up for the same hearing because he was up for. They used to used to go to the SFA panel if you had too many bookings as well, and they would decide whether you either to get a suspension or not. And but he he get a, a, a severe warning or something rather than a suspension, which meant that he played in the cup final and then he scored in it. It's a conspiracy. I heard them cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it always has been. Always has been. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I could, I could talk about 77, 78 for a long time, but I, I think it's one of these things if you if you were if you're old enough like me to have to have lived through that season, it'll bring back a lot of memories. Either of things that you, you remember anyway, but you just like reading about, or little things that you think, I'd forgotten about that. You know. Peter McCloy saving a penalty against St Merlin in a game we drew one each near the end of the season, for example. If if he hadn't saved it, Aberdeen would have went top of the league. You know, that that, that can we've, we've forgotten that kind of stuff probably. Um, but if you're younger, 
like you young folk, I think it tells a story, a season that probably you don't see very much of on YouTube. You don't, there's not that many highlights of that many games in it. So it maybe helped tell the story of, of a really great old Rangers team that you never, get, you never got to see. And as you said at the very start, it's, uh, you know, this era probably doesn't get the credit that it deserves. I mean, to, to win a table at any point is unbelievable. Um, but today, <laughs> twice the yeah. within three years, um, given the competition we had back then as well, it's, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. I mean, um, things weren't always a two-horse race, you know. <laughs> if, you look, uh, if, if you look back to the 70s, for example, um, Hibs, Dundee, Aberdeen, Partick Thistle all, all won the League Cup. Didn't they? Hmm. Um, so Aberdeen were second that year. Hibs were second in the league two or three years. And in fact, the, the year we won the, the league for the first time to stop them winning their 10 in a row, um, Hibs were second to us that season. Yeah. So there was there was some good teams in Scotland. Then. No, and it's hi, yeah, it's, uh, I could listen to you all day, Davey. But <laughs> the, the book itself, um, where, where can listeners find it then? Right. Um, it's, it's available in a few places. So, the, the, you, you you've seen my other books. This this one's actually a, a hardback rather than a paperback. This thing. Ah, sure. You're big time now, my man. I'm big time. I'm big time. <laughs> so, the, the, this publisher's got a wee bit more reach than the last one had. So, they're going to put copies into the bigger Waterstones shops in Scotland. So there should be copies in the bigger Glasgow ones, the bigger Edinburgh ones, places like that. Um, won't be in every store, but they said they would get it into the bigger ones. Uh, online, the obvious place to get it is Amazon. That's where a lot of folk buy their books these days. Um, but you can get it online as well at Waterstones and WH Smith and all these other places that sell books. Um, or you can get it direct to the publisher, pitch publishing. Um, so it's a wee bit expensive, I would say, eighteen ninety nine, but that's that's the price they've they've set on it. Um, Amazon's Amazon's selling it a bit cheaper just now, but whether it will stay that way, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and it's going to come out in Kindle for those that don't wow. want an act, for those that don't want an actual book that don't mind electronic reading. Um, a lot of folk buy these kind of books and keep them in a library. You know, they keep in a bookcase and keep other Rangers. You know, they like collecting Rangers books. Obviously, it's no use for that for a Kindle. But uh, if you like it in a Kindle, it'll be a lot cheaper than a Kindle. Um, and I think it comes out mid to late May yeah. in that format. There you go, and you help save the trees as well. But um, <laughs> everywhere that um, you know, I'll, I'll put up some of the links um, in the show description, folks, as well, for you to go and have a wee look and you know, support our, our Rangers author. But again, I, I'm, I'm always chancing my arm, Davey. Um, are you going to stop here? Any, any other books down the line? Uh, yes, <laughs> 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 I want to have a better description. Yes, so when I see I'm I say I've got another book. I've not approached a publisher yet, so it might never it might never happen because I might find that no publisher that is interested in it. But um, my first book, eighteen seventy two, had as one of the players featured in it the great Tory Gillick, who played for Rangers twice, played in the thirties, then came back in the forties. Um, he's Rangers Hall of Famer. 400 odd games, 200 goals, absolute legend. Um, so uh, I, I've got to know Tory Gillick's family 
over the last few well, I got to know them through through Rangers Rangers TV. I've done an interview with Rangers TV. They talked to it, Tory Gawak, and then the family saw it and they've been in contact. Anyway, uh, I've got to know his his surviving daughter and one of his sons, his granddaughter and the family. And basically we've decided we're going to do a biography of Tory Gawak. So I've started writing Amazing. that. I've started writing that. I'm I'm going to do it along with another author, um, Ian Stewart, who wrote Jock Shaw's biography, amongst others, because uh, he's experienced at writing this kind of book, because this, is, this isn't the kind of book I've ever written before. So uh, he'll keep me right. But uh, Ian and I, between us, are going to attempt to do justice to the story of Tori Gullock, which is a... I think the more I've found out about him, the more I've done more research, and the more I've talked to the family, he's got an incredible story on and off the pitch that I think people might quite enjoy reading. Uh, even even when he's on the pitch, she exploits us a mammoth task to try and do justice at Rangers great. Um, Tori Gellick, and again, we, we every time we, we come on and speak, we always speak about these these guys we should be building walls about, man. Like, um, <laughs> I know. The guys at Tori Gellick, but we never speak about, so that'll be a fascinating read. Funny enough, I, he, was, he was the inside right, and the, my old dad used to rhyme off two particular teams, he would always rhyme off the late 40s team, because that was the first team he saw, and he'd always rhyme off the early 60s team, because that was his favourite team out there he ever watched. Tori Gullick was the number eight in his first ever Rangers team. He was one of his absolute idols, and it's a shame he's not here anymore, because I'm sure he would have loved to have read that book when it finally, finally, if it ever happens, I'm sure that it'd be one he'd have loved to have, to have read. Brilliant. Well, keep us posted on that one, mate. Um, but, David, it's been an absolute pleasure coming on and no bother. listening to you again, mate. Again, I can listen to you all day and oh. look forward to reading the book when it finally Un- comes. Unfortunately, I can talk all day, which is probably... <laughs> yeah. Good news for our podcast, mate. That's, that's what I'm after. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, been, it's been great. Thanks thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, come on and talk about it. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. And I, I hope if there's folk watching that are interested in buying it, are interested in getting in touch, then carry on. And as always, Davey's been kind enough to, you know, give give the podcast about to do as a giveaway. So um just keep your keep your eyes peeled on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, uh, Twitter and that for how we do that. It's just gonna be a simple share. If you share the post, um you, you're in with a chance by winning the book. Um it's a free giveaway and I'll be in touch. Um, over the next couple of weeks with the winner to get your details but you know, thanks very much for coming on Davey and as always my pleasure thank, thank you to all the listeners um, be sure to go and support a, a talented Rangers offer and Davey heard and maybe he'll come back on to talk about his next book as well hope so take care folks Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.